Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hi, I'm Stacy. And I am Mark, and this is the Gurus and Game Changers Podcast. Welcome, gurus. Welcome, game changers. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one for sure. Today's guest is Scott Clary. Now, like a lot of our guests, Scott is an entrepreneur, he's an educator, he's an author, he's an influential voice in personal and professional success. But unlike I think any guest we've ever had, Scott has a wildly successful podcast called The Success Story Podcast. It's on the HubSpot, uh, HubSpot Podcast Network. And he interviews, his, his uh, list of talent and guests is a who's who. It's crazy. It is influential business leaders. It is notable personalities. It is all of these gurus and game changers, really, that come yeah. in and share their stories with Scott. So we're very fortunate to have not only the ability to talk to him, to tap into his personal stories and his personal guru stories, but also see what he's learned from the people that he's had on his show. So, Scott, thank you for joining us. Welcome Thanks, to Scott. the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. So, look, I don't want to do you a disservice. So, can you please, for our audience, um, explain what's the purpose of your podcast and kind of you know why you why you kicked it off and then how did you become this business owner, right? There's a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs out there, but how did you transform into this Uber podcast maven and content creator, <laughs> maven. right? Because you're wildly successful and we're going to go through just how successful you are, but how does that happen? Very different story than a lot of people that grew up entrepreneurial, people that grew up, you know, um, on eBay, like the Gary Vee story or whatever, the selling right. the lemon at the lemonade stand, like very different kind of story, but still the exposure and the understanding that in a modern environment, that's the entrepreneurial pathway is the way to get to a life that I feel is more comfortable and more secure and more safe, where I'm investing the money that I have and I'm not relying and depending on someone else. That all just made sense to me. So 
as I start to learn more about this, a lot of the things that I do start to be more entrepreneurial. I start to try and start businesses. I try, I try and start consulting for companies. I eventually started a podcast. I was consulting with a variety of different startups at the University of Toronto, trying to get small equity positions in some of them as sort of like a fractional CXO. Um, fast forward a few years, took a CRO, Chief Revenue Officer position in a company. Um, we raised some money. We grew the company through COVID. It was acquired just at the tail end of COVID. So that was the first exit event. Well, actually, it would be the second exit event that I went through, but the first like meaningful exit event that I went through. And then I'm like, okay, so this is like, uh, it was a good, it was a good exit. It wasn't like you can't ever work again exit, but it was a good exit. <laughs> I went through the process, made a meaningful difference in that environment. And I'm like, okay, this is sort of the, the secret to how do you build wealth? So I can do one of two things. I can continue to sort of take my skill set as a senior operator executive, go into startup environments, it's also super high risk to do this. So I'm not saying it's easy because it's like you work a lot, 90, whatever, 9% failure rate. So it's not easy to do this, but it's a pathway to potential significant payout at the end of the day. And then if you're smart about what you do with your money, that could be a way to kind of, I don't know, retire, retire, quote unquote. I say retire because at this point, I really do enjoy what I work yeah. on. But I think for a lot of people, that could be a pathway to retire, which is why I think people start to work with startups. But um, so yeah, this is sort of like the evolution of my thought towards startup and entrepreneurship. Um, another reason why I started the podcast and the podcast was like an entrepreneurial venture that I started while working for a company, very side hustle, because again, my goal in life is to take as many shots at winning as possible. And if I take as many shots as, as I possibly can, if I work for a company, if I build a thing on the side, eventually some of those shots are going to work out my questions i'd love to find out origin stories that's like my favorite thing yeah. um and i think yeah. kind of this podcast like gurus and game changers like how does someone become a guru or a game changer but also like does someone influence you so hearing that your family life is really stable because a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. are kind of like comedians like there's stuff that happens in their life and they're like i'm out i want to <laughs> be free um it sounds like that's not the case but so in your case, like you're in Canada, right? So you weren't um, in America. Yeah. Mostly you hear about Americans that want to go to Canada, but you've <laughs> emigrated here. Thank you for coming, um, which is awesome. But so was your family, so do you have brothers and sisters? And was there someone in your family? And I know that you said you kind of just thought this through as a CXO and a CRO mm -hmm. and you saw it happen and you decided yourself. But was there someone who actually inspired you to do it or someone who lifted you up or someone who was like your personal you know, I guess guru or you know, mm. someone who helped you to kind of see the path that you're on now, or was it completely within you? It was, so it's never completely within me. I think sometimes we think that it's completely within ourselves, but we don't understand the influences that impact us along the way. Um, and this is why I don't like the saying, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm self-made because I don't believe that anybody is, is self-made at all. I mean, there's been a series of influences, major and minor over the course of everyone's life. And it could have been watching a YouTube video, it could have been a peer you worked with. So there's been there's been many, there's been many, many people, like hundreds of people that have influenced me, impacted me uh, with with anything from self-esteem to learn, to how to raise money, to how to sell a product, to how to manage your time. Like everything that encompasses who I am is the sum of influences. And that's everybody. That is truly right. how we progress as human beings. So um, I'm trying to think if there, if there was one particular person. I don't think there's one person. I think that 
I think that what allowed me to sort of move towards a life that I feel is, it's funny, I feel an entrepreneurial life is a more stable and secure life now because I know how to play a game. Right. I, right. I truly believe that. I mean, I have a lot of faith in my own abilities to, if something doesn't work out, pivot, do this, do that, whatever. But I believe that the mindset that I had that allowed me to leverage all the people, all the incredible people around me was really the 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 putting the ego aside and understanding that everything that you want, someone else has already figured out. I love that. And if you can remove the ego and you can really open your mind up and you can and you all you can open your mind up, but you also have to understand that the person that's achieved the thing that you want is no different than you in all seriousness. There's very few people that are are naturally brilliant or naturally hard workers, learned behavior. I truly believe that if somebody else has achieved it, there is a pathway that I can reverse engineer that will allow me to achieve the next thing that I want. It's just a matter of marking out those points on a map. Yeah. And I think that what really screws people is they see this end result and they think, oh my God, for example, I could never be like Elon Musk. I think a lot of people would say they could never be like Elon Musk. But if you reverse engineer Elon Musk's career, it's a series of a lot of luck and a lot of success and a lot of work repeated again and again and again and again. And then once you have a certain amount of capital and you have a certain amount of that initial luck is very hard, to, not the initial luck, the initial success requires a lot of luck, a lot of like a lot of you figuring it out yourself. But once you have that capital and you have like an exit, all of a sudden you build this flywheel into your life where you can start to hire the right people and you can start to build again and again and again and again. And I think that maybe you don't end up where Elon Musk is, but the point is you can really go along that pathway and one, two, three, four different exits later, then all of a sudden, then you're looking a lot more like Elon Musk in terms of business success, right? You start to be worth a significant amount of money. You start to have a significant amount of influence. People start to respect your opinion. So I think that a lot of people just look at an end result and have a hard time unpacking the path there. Whereas for me, that always made sense. I can unpack every single step that this person take that this person took in every single job they took on, business they built, person that they had mentored them. And I can sort of get this little playbook that I can incorporate into my own life. And as long as I, I you know, I owe it to myself to follow along and and take step one and take step two and take step three, and I have to pursue all these different steps I've unpacked, I will eventually get to a point where I'm actually quite successful. Yeah. So I know that that doesn't directly answer your mentor yeah, question, no. but that's the mindset that I went in with every single person that I spoke to. So I understood where they were. I listened to to the advice that they gave, which was very good advice, but I also paid attention to their path and their journey. So there's things that I learned from a lot of people in my life that were not spoken over to me. I was just very observant of who who they were and what they were able to accomplish. And then that's how I incorporated that success path into my own life. And I think that's really what allowed me to repeat that process again and again and again. You know, it's funny. I think part of what you're talking about is, is sort of related to that is the, the, the amount of self-talk. <clears throat> you tell yourself, I can't be Elon Musk. But 
maybe you can be your version of Elon Musk, right? Take what you you can you can take, definitely be your version of him, right? Yeah. So so I let's just talk that. about that for a second. Then so you had a point where you started to talk to yourself differently, right? From an entrepreneurial mm -hmm. mindset, you talked about mindset. What are some of those conversations that you're having with yourself? What are you telling yourself? Positive, negative, whatever. So I always played a lot of sports. I always played a ton of sports. And, um, you know, in university, when you stop playing sports, <laughs> you start drinking and eating like that, you like put on a whole bunch of weight. And like, that was like, not okay with me. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking like, okay, up until this point in my career, like health was very like ad hoc. You just play a lot of sports, you know, you eat, but you play a lot of sports. So you don't really, like, you always kind of look good. And I'm like, I got to be like very purposeful gotta, as opposed to just living life ad hoc. I got to be like very purposeful of my health and wellness. And then you start to research and you start to learn, you start to unpack. And then I realized that like, I think it was probably because of like the physical change in my body from adopting like a very strict health and wellness routine that I understood that if you actually unpack the steps that it takes to get to somewhere, like you can actually action that. And wow. a lot of it is just like willpower and grinding it out and like going in day day out because that's like, I think the first like this is when I'm still in college this is when I'm still like at university in Canada but I'm not really really that focused on my career I'm I'm you know I'm messing around in classes but I'm very purposeful about like I don't want to be a fat ass <laughs> that's kind of like my thing so I'm like okay and I learned I learned this and I'm like holy shit you know you you look at what somebody does you you look at a variety of different sources of knowledge and you incorporate that into your own life and you see like very physical change. And then I'm like, that wasn't that complicated. That really wasn't that complicated. I did something purposefully, very purposefully that I wanted to achieve a result. And then I'm like, okay, so if I figured that out, how is business any different than that? Business is an end result yeah. that somebody's achieved that they want to achieve. Now you may not be able to see it physically. So I think that's actually where a lot of people get stuck up because they actually don't feel like they're progressing. Whereas if you know, if you go to the gym for a year, you actually physically see results. So it's very easy to gauge your progress. But in business, it's the same thing. If you have an end result and you see somebody that has achieved that and you pack how they got there, then it's very it's it, it just makes sense. It makes sense for me to be able to follow that pathway. So I think that was it was a it's a silly example, but a very real example for me. If you are a smart person that tries hard for 10 years at building a thing that is you're semi-passionate about and you you know you iterate and you build feedback loops and you learn through that process you will have a level of success sure. but if people don't believe in the result then they're never going to start or they're going to you know they're going to fizzle out after six months or a year or whatever like that's why i don't love motivation because motivation gets you started but it that dies quite quickly i've heard that success is like 95 percent consistency and five percent brains so i think if you could be consistent and resilient a thousand percent you know that's that's agreed probably part because of the there's game. also some dumbass people that made a lot of money too there's, there's <laughs> some really stupid people they, that just, just didn't give up every day they yeah. just did it they didn't give up and it reminds right. me kind of like when i think about and i listen to what you're saying like there was a podcast that i heard of yours on einstein when you talked kind of about yeah. about <laughs> focusing right so like focusing i yes. love that because i think what was it um there it was Steve Jobs um, and somebody else who had talked about um, focus yeah, and how that's Steve the Jobs. No, it was Steve Jobs. There's the, a number one thing you need. Oh, to there's do. A, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. focus, right? So, um, and I find I am a little bit ADD, so I'm like thinking <laughs> everything's always ping ponging around, and I think like focus is really yeah. really difficult for a lot of people, but it's really important. So my question, like after I listened to the podcast, I don't remember you actually talking to the fact of multitasking so i know <clears throat> focus is one thing but do you believe yeah. in multitasking do you think it's possible no i don't believe it's possible i think that blocking time periods throughout the day so 
let's use an example because people are going to look at me and say, hey, Scott, you were working in a company and you did a side hustle. Is that not multitasking? It's not ideal, but it's not multitasking. So I don't believe in multitasking. I don't believe, for example, throughout my day, um, I'm going to be working on one thing, then read emails from another company, and then answer a call from you know my my doctor, and then I feel like, and then I'm going to go create some content and go back to emails. You have to block time so that while you're doing the the particular job or the particular piece of work, you have highly focused concentration on that one particular thing. So I don't, as a very small example, I don't check my emails. Uh, in the morning, I'll check them at lunch, and then I'll check them at night. I, like I block How when I check and respond that? to emails. <laughs> that's that's a discipline all on itself. You have it's. I mean, there are some things that are incredibly urgent and important, but I know what my day looks like, and if I multitask throughout the day, there's um there's a uh, there's a mental switching cost to switching tasks all the time that drains you. Even if you think you're good at multitasking, you're not, because there's actually science to back up that you're not good at, that no human is good at multitasking. And every time you switch tasks, it drains you a little bit more and more and more and more. And then you won't even always notice it in, in like being less efficient, but you may feel depressed or you may feel foggy or you're not going to feel as sharp or your words aren't going to come as quick. Whatever it is, it will start to manifest if done repeatedly. So you really have to block time and focus effort towards the things that you're working on so if i'm working on a business or a proposal like i'm checking emails i'm doing that proposal i really need to and and i also because i do multiple things now i really have to like block off a period of time so i'm not creating content through the day i'm creating content after hours through the day i'm working on you know business a and this is very purposeful and only when i'm done my most urgent important task that then i'll move on to something else but uh, yes, the the video on Einstein was really about focus, singular focus. He took it to an extreme degree where, of course, in his world, side hustles don't exist. And when right. you're solving for the theory of relativity, all you do 24-7-365 is focus on the theory of relativity. But I think that the lesson learned from that is, especially in a in sort of a, a, a micro example of just a day, do not keep tasks switching because it will drain you to some degree. So as much focus as possible. And then the side hustle, this is why side hustle is like, side hustle isn't like throughout your job peppered in. Side hustle is like three hours from seven to nine, Monday to Friday, or maybe eight hours on a Sunday, whatever it is, but it's blocked with concerted effort and focus away from the thing that I'm actually doing to pay the bills, put food on the table, because that's how I do both like really successfully. You know, it's funny. We're we're on you and I are on opposite sides of this multitasking <laughs> thing, right? But if really? if you're, I'm going to just read some numbers, your numbers, that show that yeah. you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> and right. And I'm probably wrong. <laughs> well, this is we're learning from him right I now. I know, right? Yeah. So you're you're looking. We're, just some quick numbers about Scott here. His his podcast has over 22 million downloads. <sighs> He's got uh, over a hundred thousand followers on YouTube, over a hundred thousand on Twitter, over nearly 150,000 on you, LinkedIn. I mean, this, this man is out there. One and a half million followers on Instagram. Do you um, have a company helping you do that by the way? Because yeah, how do you right? not multitask when you're getting oh, all well, those stats? So yes. So I do, <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I have a team and I hire companies. So yes, I do. Yeah. Um, most of the content now is is edited by a post-production team, put up, up by a post-production team. Um, I review a lot of the stuff. I review everything before it goes up. But yes, I have like a team that, like I'm not editing all the little clips myself anymore. Uh, um, that's too much. So a lot of my content strategy and, and really the content strategy has led to the audience, which is 
you have pillar content, like what we're doing, we're recording the pillar content, the video podcast, and then that goes into newsletter, blog on the website, goes into probably 50 different video clips. They go up across all social. I mean, everything you just mentioned, um, but also like YouTube shorts, uh, Instagram reels. Um, I was using Snapchat spotlights for a while, but it doesn't really do much. TikTok. So like I have a content strategy. I have a team now that takes care of the content, but but day one, I was doing everything myself. Right. That's like, where I, we are. I know how to do the video editing. I know I like I coded my own website. I was doing my own audio mastering and I learn it and I build a playbook around it. And then I teach somebody and then I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. But at least I know what good looks like. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I hire somebody that's even better than me that can, you know, create something that I or build or whatever or, or edit it to a degree that I could never. But at least I know what like baseline good looks like. This is like a this is another sort of like work mindset I've always had. It's like, I have to do the thing first. And then I know what I, I know what a reasonable effort towards that thing is. And then I'll teach it to somebody. And that is like podcasting, editing, um, posting on social, writing copy, writing newsletters, sales, you know, putting together email sequences, putting together a tech stack for my sales team, whatever it is. Like I've done that so that nobody can tell me like you're asking me to do something that you will do yourself. I've always done it, but that's a startup mentality too. That's right. what allows me to function in startups because it's not like I, I want to do this shit all the time. <laughs> if you don't have budget to hire people till you do it yourself. And then when it's successful, then you can actually get somebody to do it. I think that's also this is more like a management lesson. I think a lot of managers who have not done the thing themselves don't really know how to manage that thing properly. Yeah. And they, I think it's also a detriment to the hiring of the of the individuals tasked with actually doing that thing, because if you have not done it yourself, it's very, very hard to to hire the right people to call them out when they're they're basically BSing you as to whether or not you know they can do that thing well so I've always take you know I've been of the mindset like figure it out yourself first and then you hire train teach over someone else so if we were going to reverse engineer your success yes please <laughs> for for our potential use we're being selfish right? now sorry because look we're we're, we're young we're new we're new well, we're, we're where not, you we're, were not back young. in 2018 i think you launched right yeah we're, we're where yeah. you were and we're doing everything ourselves which we love don't we ish yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun ish. we love yeah. ish so what you know how do you stand out and whether whether we're starting a podcast starting a business every every playground every sandbox you step in is full yeah how do you get the spotlight on you so yeah it's a great it's a great question um i think that i started the podcast i'm going to sort of give you the, the the reason why i started the podcast that's going to that's going to dovetail into your into the answer to your question so i started the podcast because i wanted to build an audience because i was looking at the gary v's of the world that built an audience and then was able to launch products again and again and again into that audience I've never actually sold a product into my podcast audience, but I knew that that podcast and that audience and that community would be very useful for any product or service or business that I was part of or working for or wanted to start in the future. So for me, it was building the audience and that's a pure marketing play. And then after you have the audience, it's very easy to position a product against that audience, sell it. Now, the, the play to build a podcast in terms of marketing is very similar to how to gain attention to a business if you're trying to build a business. But my goal with the podcast is if I build the podcast audience and if I launch a business in the future, I won't have to do all the things that a normal business would have to do because I have the audience already. It's a pure influencer very play, smart, yeah. but done very purposefully, very, very purposefully, right? So um, 
if you're going to talk about building a podcast, it is full marketing. It's like a full marketing strategy that is required com combined with do it for five to 10 years. <laughs> and I, I, I really have to emphasize to do it for five to 10 years. And I'll explain what the full marketing strategy is, but to do it to five to 10 years, because build it in a sustainable way that it's not burning you out, that it's not tiring you out, that it's not like annoying to do and they actually enjoy it. And that it's not, you know, compromising your your quality of life. And, your, you know, if you have a nine to five, you can't hate it because it, it is it is a very slow thing to monetize because, again, you're not selling a product. You're mm -hmm. playing it on. So it's easier to be motivated about building a business when you're selling a product because if I have a good product, I mean, you could argue that if, if from a drop shipping model, if I have a good product, I spin up a website, I run ads, I could be making money like this week or in the next like 24, 48 hours. Podcasts is very different. Yeah. Podcasts are are a means to an end, but they're not the quickest path to revenue, but they are a very sustainable, uh, very loyalty building medium that over a period of your life is going to be fantastic to own. So, I mean, you look at like the Joe Rogans and the Tim Ferrisses of the world, like they've been doing it for, I'm sure, over 15, almost 15 years now. And this is the ones that stand out. And then once you've sort of adopted and understood that, that you have to be in it for the long run or else it doesn't really make sense. But if you are in it for the long run, like for me, I'll do this till the day I die. I don't mind because it's fun. I'll be like the the Howard Stern. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I'm old and I'm just like, you know, Howard Stern is like not that old. But say say he's older <laughs> than me. But say, you know, I'm old and I can jump in front of a mic and I can still talk to people that I love talking to and I can have great conversations. Like that just compounds over time. Now, the actual strategy is full marketing strategy. So what I mean by that is my my background in marketing really helped. So I understand content marketing. I understand I studied the Gary Vee model, which is pillar content, meaning that you have long form content that is geared around um, a message that you want to communicate to your audience across all your social channels. And when you have that long form content, that video podcast that speaks about the things that you want your audience to hear, all derivative content of that podcast will also be good social content. So you take the long form podcast, you turn it into audio, video, cool. Now you transcribe it, turn it into a newsletter, into a blog. So now I have audio, video, and written. Um, and my, you know, I'll do my exact strategy. So podcast goes into RSS feed, podcast goes into YouTube. Um, my, written gets transcribed uh i send out a newsletter saying the podcast is live but then i'll also do a newsletter sort of commenting on a topic that we spoke about in the podcast so each podcast gets two newsletters and you'll if you actually subscribe to my newsletter you'll see exactly what i mean I did. one of them is more just like a hey we're live and then one of them is like a hey we spoke about this and then this is like my my thoughts on it so i i repurpose content that way and it goes up on my website it goes up on medium it goes up on hacker noon it goes up to my newsletter list as well uh it goes on even obscure platforms like um, I say obscure because they're not as mainstream, but I just put it everywhere. So on, uh, and then I, <laughs> I, do, I do this as well. Um, I put it up on Substack. I put it up on Beehive just for a more organic reach, all funneling back to one spot. I put it up on a site called paragraph.xyz, which is a, 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 um, a, a, like a blogging newsletter platform on the blockchain, which I have like 10 subscribers on, but I put it up there just in case somebody finds it. <laughs> um, I put it up on LinkedIn. So my newsletter goes to like, whatever, six, seven different spots. And then I, I collect all those emails from all those different spots and put it into one main sort of bank of all my newsletter subscribers. Um, and then that's just the written stuff. 
Then we'll turn each podcast into shorter 10-minute segments, which go up again on YouTube as individual smaller episodes. Um, that'll also go into 30 to 60 second clips, which is like the reels and the TikToks and whatnot. And then I'll pull out quotes from that or thoughts from that podcast and send tweets. So it's like a ton of content. Yeah. But now I have a process that breaks down this content. So the, the, the post-production team, while they're editing it, knows to look for all these different, like really viral talking points and all these different these different things that they know are going to go viral as to the best of their ability on, on all the different social, not everything goes viral, but you try for it. And this is just like a, a an engine. It's a machine that's going every single podcast. So you wow. do that for 400. Well, I've done 400 interviews. I think I've posted about 350 of them so far. Obviously I have a backlog that I have to get at, but you do that for 350 over like five years. And yeah, that you show up in a lot of people's feeds and like they want people aren't going to recognize you or care, but you do it again and again and again and again and again. Um, yeah, people start to recognize you and they start to see you because not a lot of people show up in that capacity for five years. Some do, but not very many. Wow. A lot of people fizzle out quite quickly. Yeah. So you do that again and again. And, and like the talent, I mean, you know, building a podcast similar to building a startup where you take you take advantage of of the Upworks and the Fivers, and you take advantage of all these resources, you take advantage of great talent um, that is fractional, that doesn't cost as much. You know, you I've used Upwork for a ton of stuff as well. This is like the startup playbook. You got to be scrappy. You go ahead. You got to be super, super scrappy. But yeah, you you don't want to blow a lot of money on it because, I mean, Tim Ferriss says that you shouldn't start monetizing until each episode gets a hundred thousand downloads. I don't know if that's the number that I would aim for because that's a wild number that a lot of people never even get to, but it will take a long time to monetize. I think the minimum, the minimum that most advertisers want to see is about five to ten thousand downloads across your entire catalog per month, which is a little bit low because then you're talking about like hundred dollar deals, which not to sound like that's not great that makes the money, but then you start to have you have to manage the advertisers and it starts to be a lot of extra work for you. So you do have to be able to sustain this in the long term without blowing a whole bunch of money on it so that, you know, year three, year four, year five, I think year five is where a lot of people start to monetize. Um, that's like, that's where you got to go. And then eventually when you monetize, you can hire more of a full-time in-house team and it gets a little bit less stressful, but yeah, it's all about wow marketing and building wow. this machine and building the SOPs around it. And, uh, and then on all the social media channels too. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone who's so consistent on each channel, like in terms of like hundreds, right. hundreds of thousands and millions of followers, though. That's that <laughs> seems unique to me. I don't know, except for like maybe superstars and celebrities and stuff like that. So. Well, no, listen, this, I, I'm I'm still a little baby, baby influencer, baby podcaster in the in the in the, you know, compared to a whole bunch of other people that are out there that are exceptional and been doing it for a long time. But. I always tried to build a strategy that allowed me to be everywhere, which is a lot for people. I mean, this is a marketing background deployed right. against a podcast. I would say that if if I was going to give advice to somebody that was like, you know, F that, I'm not going everywhere. Mm -hmm. I would say YouTube is the most important because okay. YouTube has is the second largest search engine outside of Google. I mean, mm -hmm. it's owned by Alphabet, same parent company. But um, any large podcaster has been a YouTube first video podcast, just the way it is, okay. because you build more trust with your audience, people. And I've also noticed this. If you build an audience on YouTube, if you don't post a lot on other social, they start to filter to other social because it's a very when somebody watches your video, it's a it's a incredible trust building exercise that you cannot accomplish 
by posting a picture on Instagram or, or posting a tweet. But when somebody builds trust with you, they, they like they 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 want to know more of you. They want to know your whole life, and they go and find you on Twitter. They go find you on Instagram. You find people with five hundred thousand followers on Twitter, and they'll have nothing anywhere else. It'll be wow. crickets. So same with Instagram. You'll have an Instagram influencer. Now we have Threads too, but we have an Instagram influencer that has you know a million on Instagram and just posts beautiful travel pictures. Nothing on Twitter. Nothing on YouTube. So if you can hack it, if you don't mind being in front of a camera, YouTube. Like do YouTube. Mm -hmm. It is the best thing you'll ever mm -hmm. do. Because uh, the podcast also has no organic reach, right? That has no organic reach just on its own. Yeah, it's not like yeah. a social platform. You post it on megaphone or lip sync or whatever you use to host it. That RSS feed has no reach, whereas social gives you reach. Yep, social gives you access organic. organically. Then you can. So that's where you got to think. Guess, yeah. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you could do anything once you're on YouTube, but yeah. So, I, I just think that you, your success is just stunning for me. And I know like you've probably talked to people like that You're too. And I, you know, but, but it's true. I mean, I just, you know, I know the work that has gone into what you do and, and hopefully we can, can get there, Mark. Um, in three years. And, oh, you, we're going to get there. You will though. That's <laughs> our goal. You will. Um, well, the good you thing will. is we've uh, ever had a production company, so I have some background in video. Exactly. So hopefully we'll do that. But um, <clears throat> I read your article too on becoming Batman and I was like, really, I love that. Um, you great. know, Sasha Fierce and your, how you're bringing everybody into yeah. that. Um, and self-distancing. So, but my, yeah. uh, my question for you is, do you have an alter ego? And if you do, who is it? And what's the superpower? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can fly close to the sun and you won't get burnt. Don't worry. Like it was something along those lines. Wow. And I mean, it's, it, for me, it meant a lot because it just showed that whatever we try and do, as as scary as it is, it'll most likely be okay. It'll like nine and a half out of 10 times be okay. And I think that that was in my mind, like the permission, even though he didn't know me, I didn't know him. I just listened to him on a podcast, but it was like, it was permission to just try to do things at a higher level, to play at a bigger level. I mean, I mean there's another, I was actually, I was actually looking to see if there was like a quote, a, a form quote, about this and there really isn't the the closest thing i could find was um a quote from uh paul coelho from the alchemist and the quote was there's only one thing that makes dream impossible to achieve the fear of failure which i also love very similar love. type of quote so anyways how does this how does this play into imposter syndrome because we all have imposter syndrome and we all don't believe that we can do it and i think that that the article you reference is about turning on alter ego that ha believes that that can be done and I think that's a very hard thing for people to understand, but you have to realize that if you just act in the way of somebody who's able to do the thing and you you consistently show up in that capacity, the thing will actually get done. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but at least it won't be your own mind that will be sabotaging you. So <laughs> if I show up as a podcaster thinking, like, I can podcast, I can interview, Again, anybody who's done this before also sucked day one. <laughs> That's fine. I've already I've already come to terms with that. But I'm in my mind not sucking, even though maybe you suck a little bit. But the thing is, you show up and you do it and you learn. And you have to understand that like when you the alter ego is showing up and doing it, even when I feel like I can't like that is that is my alter ego. There's a lot of things that I don't like to do. I mean, podcast <clears throat> you have to understand i got like guy kawasaki on my because i okay oh my god a lot of the podcast success 
was derived from sales and marketing skills, right? So podcast growth was marketing. Getting podcast guests is all sales. It's writing cold emails with a good subject line, you know, highlighting the benefits of what they're going to get out of the podcast. So I did this like right away. I'm like, if I'm going to get a guest, it's like selling a product or service. I got to like pitch them. I got to pitch them on the show. So I talked about the show, talked about what I was going to do for them, talked about the reach we had so far. I got like Guy Kawasaki, Grant Cardone, and Anthony Samucci. I'm assuming in like the first fifth, I have to go back to it, maybe 15, 20. I was not ready for any of these, like at all, at all ready for any of these. I was scared shitless. But what do you do? I mean, you prepare, you do your research, you show up, you do it. And like, is it as good as if I had done it now? No, definitely not. But the point is I did it. Mm -hmm. So you get through that psychological hurdle by showing up as somebody who's a podcaster. And I'm not telling, you know, Guy Kawasaki that it's my 10th episode or whatever. I mean, he could probably, he probably researched and he probably could figure it out if he wanted to, but I did it. And I would say that, okay, maybe that's not the smartest move, but like I needed to do that because the opportunity presented itself and I needed to get over that psychological barrier. And it was a good show. It wasn't the best show, but the point is for me, it was very meaningful Mm -hmm. because it allowed me to realize that I could do it. So that was like a spring into a alter ego moment for sure with those so guys cool. because I love it. you have to. Yeah. You, you have to because you're not going to go because at the time I didn't know much about podcasting, but I did know that I'm not going to jump on and say, hey, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> I've never done this for very long. I And then he's going to be like, why the hell am I here? Right. So right. you got to show up with that confidence. You have to have to have to. So that's all I knew. So I wasn't purposely architecting an alter ego, but like that's really what it is. So you're like, like game face on, let yeah. go. Doesn't matter if you aren't comfortable. You're it's booked, it's scheduled. You have somebody most people would only dream of talking to who's coming onto your show. Figure it out. You figure it out. So you're captain, you know, captain I show think up. that even, <laughs> Yeah, seriously, like dead serious. And I mean, that's happened with uh, speaking on stage too. I don't like I hate speaking on stage, but you just like it it was like even okay, so Probably one of the largest audiences I've spoken in front of uh, was HubSpot's Inbound, which is a huge, huge, oh huge God. conference out of Boston. Know it. And um, and and yeah, like sitting in the green room or whatever the 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 pre the pre room for that. I was I was sitting with guys that were very, very, uh, very tenured speakers. Like so, a whole bunch of people that I had a panel discussion that I brought on. We did like a live podcast last year, and that was the biggest audience I've ever spoken in front of. And it was, you know, they were all guys that were very calm, very cool. I mean, they looked calm and cool. I have no idea. Maybe some of them have anxiety just like I do about going on stage. But I know some of these guys do keynotes like for breakfast. So for me, it was like, well, I, I you know, there's sort of two options. I I basically force myself to do things by by committing to the thing and then booking the tickets to Boston and booking the, you know, the hotel and then forcing myself to go to the, like, I, I create an environment where I can't back out yeah. because I know that I would back out if I could mm-hmm. like sitting in that, in that green room, I was shitting myself. Like, I did not <laughs> want to do that at all, like at all, at all. But you know what? You do it and you don't die and it doesn't go that bad. And for the rest of the world, it actually goes quite well. And I'm in the back this year. So I'm going to be speaking in Boston wow. again. So like, we should go. You just you just go into it. Yeah, I mean, you, you at, architect this life that you. It sounds strange, but you architect a situation you can't escape from. Exactly, that's what I was that's about going to, say. to push you in the right direction. Right, it's totally, going to yeah. happen. Totally so you need to bring your A game to what it's about to happen. Yeah, yeah I totally believe in that. Even like getting to the gym, it's like I'm just going to put it's, my shoes on. I'm going to get go. in the car. I'm just going to drive there. I'm going to put my mat down. I'm going to you, you know, know um, like, see what happens. It's just one step. <laughs> at a time. Robbins has a really smart rule. 
What's that? Mel Robbins has a, I think it's Mel Robbins. It's like the five minute rule or the yeah, five, the five second, second or 30 seconds. There's like a time period. Yeah. Yeah. Mel. Whatever the, the mm-hmm. very short period of time mm-hmm. where you just have to do the thing. So it's like, if you're going to the gym, don't even think about it. Put on your shoes, go. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't think about it. Yeah. That's what I do. So I think that's very powerful too. But I, let, let me, um, let me, let me just take a quick uh, break back to some of your guests because you, notable yeah. names, you've already come out with a few and you've had close to 400 mm-hmm. or 400 of them. Is there a common thread yeah. of like sort of a mindset thread, a common success thread that you kind of see in all of them that would, that has benefited you or benefits uh, our audience? Yes. Yes. Of course. Yes, definitely. Um, I think that there's a couple things. Let's talk about one question that I ask, which is um, what does success mean to you? Mm-hmm. I ask that question at the end of every episode. And there's been, you know, various, there's been maybe two to 3% of the people that have spoken about something different than this, but say 97% of people have said that success is freedom. Mm-hmm. So success is freedom, not from doing anything, but from, but for having the ability to do whatever you want on your own time, on your own watch. So I think that, I think that that aligns with my version of success. And I think it aligns with a lot of people's versions of success. But I think that it's very sad that a lot of people don't understand how to get there. Yeah. That's that's the one takeaway because that is what I mean, who doesn't want to be like, quote unquote, successful, but successful is not the job where you're working 80 hours a week and have no time for your family and you have a broken marriage and your kids hate you and your, you know, your your health is declining and your stress. That's not success. But you could be making three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year as executive C-suite, whatever it is. So I think that people have to re uh, sort of uh, sort of re redo or, or reimagine the lens at which they see success through because you see people that have these incredible careers but ultimately they the success is a freedom that's really it so i think that optimizing your life for freedom is very important but i want to know too like i think it's really important for people to see successful people have also had mm-hmm. failures in the past and have fallen down and have had to like sort of pull themselves All of them. up from bootstraps and i think how those yeah. successful people, you know, have overcome those obstacles and have, you know, gotten to a better level, you know, maybe even like a much higher level as a result of that, you know, or in spite of that. Yeah. So it was there a time when you were there, when you were in the, fe- I was in the fetal position during COVID, like, what am I going to do? I have a production company and I, how am I, gonna, yeah. what am I going to do? Um, and then there were certain things uh, I did to get through that. Yeah. So, yes, I mean. Uh, I'm trying to think of very specific examples. So that's, that's a point. Uh, specific examples. I mean, I've been fired from clients. I've lost a lot of money um, in investments. I've uh, um, during COVID. During COVID, uh, that was uh, I was working at the company that was acquired um, during COVID, and we had to pivot products like five times. Like, like to give you an example. So the company was a, a broadcast software company, and we were we were basically putting uh like technology into like the jumbotrons and arenas and whatnot like that was what we were doing and and obviously during covid you don't sell a lot of shit that goes into an arena (laughs) so like so like yeah we have a tech stack and we and we we pivoted products and we ended up with a product that was basically like it was like a cloud control room um that allowed you to do like news broadcasts uh, virtually so we pivoted a lot of the internal technology and we did that like four or five times and that was tough that was very tough and I mean, now I'm glossing over it, so it's like, oh yeah, well right. that makes sense. Right. I'm like, when you have when you have hundred thousand dollar plus contracts, million dollar contracts, 
that overnight are taken away, it's not so cool in the moment. Like it's really not right. chill in the moment. It's not like, oh, that's no problem. It's like, no, we we lost like, well, they weren't lost. I mean, they were just pushed for forever. But yeah, you lose hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. So that's very stressful. Very, very stressful, and obviously. And you tell yourself, um, you say to yourself, "Let's pivot," or like, "What, you know? Do you well? Get, it's like, try to it's get like, well, like you don't. I don't. I, see, I never really get. So this is a thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is a personality trait or whatnot, but it's always like, okay, what next? Right. Oh, we got to figure out something. What next? So like the 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 moment of lamentation and and stressing out lasts for all of thirty seconds because it doesn't effing matter like it really doesn't matter like it doesn't matter how shitty life is or how shitty circumstances are and i mean people dealt with a lot of horrible shit during COVID. i didn't lose anyone thank god if i had lost family friends combined with losing my job also it would be very hard to say this in the same you know you know jovial disposition i have right now i just <laughs> lost contracts that's just money it, right. it's money it's just money so but the point is you have obviously you have to take stock of your life. If if people have passed away, it's very difficult to have this mindset. I get that. I don't want to this. I don't want to just gloss over it. But at the end of the day, you do have to have this mindset eventually. So whether or not it's an afternoon for you know you know you lost a contract, or maybe it's a week of stress because you lost your job, or maybe it's six months of mourning because you lost a family member. The point is, at some point in your life, you have to understand that this is the mindset you have to adopt. You cannot be in victim mentality for the rest of your life. In that vein, in that same vein. So I think I know the answer to this question. Um, but if time is not an issue for you, if money is not an issue for you, if the love and support of people around you is not an issue for you, what are you doing when you wake up in the morning? So it's everything that I've done. I've done like a lot of thought on, on what I work on now because I work on very very quickly not i don't want to go into the the the, the specifics too too much because it doesn't really mean anything for like the the general person is trying to improve their life yeah. or whatever but basically working in a startup podcasting building a private equity firm um all those things tie back to uh what i like to do which is teach so my first job ever was coaching tennis actually mm -hmm. uh when i like i had gone to a tennis camp from like i was i don't even know how old you're able to enroll in tennis camps like six or what i don't even know what it is but then went to that camp loved the camp turned into a, an instructor there loved coaching tennis loved teaching every role that i've been in a job or otherwise like i've always defaulted to like this i want to train the people i want to onboard them i want to teach i love like i love teaching like the seat i don't know <laughs> it sounds like just silly but like when you when you see somebody that's struggling and you and you help them come to terms with what they have to do to get to where they want to be it is like the most beautiful feeling it's like the most beautiful feeling in the world <laughs> so i think that the podcast the reason why i started this like not for you know commercial reasons or building an audience it's like cuz i love to teach like i really do love to teach people and i think that the podcast i built it because it was something that i would use to learn myself but then as it evolved, I'm like, this is hopefully going to be a tool, a mechanism to like actually teach people. And this is actually a very difficult thing that I have to come to terms with because the teaching podcast is very different. Like the clickbait, funny, right. hot topic, political issue podcast, which anything teaching business, it will grow slower than if I was talking about politics and talking a whole bunch of shit on my show. So it's like, 
it's been tough because I'm like, I need to stay true to like what I actually yeah. enjoy. Because yeah. I, I, that's why I look at Tim Ferriss as a, as a beautiful example of how he's built like an incredible audience teaching over to people things that are very valuable. He's a very, very, I mean, there's also, um, who's the, uh, like, and now there's like the Tom Billiou who does a great podcast. I mean, Lewis Howes, like these are all like very positive education, upskilling, professional personal development style shows that I emulate after. I see people that grow like twice as fast that do a variety of commentary or trending topics or po politics is a big one, right? And it's difficult because that's in my mind is commentary, but it's not teaching. Like yeah. I don't feel like it's actually making people better by leaning into politics or right. leaning into it, it's educating them, but it's there's you know it's interesting. There's a there's a theory that not a theory. There's like um a, a mindset that sort of tells us that at any point in in time there can be two truths both true at the same time mm. meaning that i could have an opinion you could have an opinion they could be they could both be rooted in logic and grounded in common sense and and data and fact and they could both be true the reason why i don't love politics is because both teams seem to think that their truth is absolute and it's a binary world and that there can be no other other truth which is fundamentally false two truths can be true at the same time. So I don't want to include that into my show to any meaningful degree, which means I have to focus on personal professional development, right. which is less clickbaity. It's just actually yeah. helpful. We didn't talk about routines. Like I don't, you know, I, I should do the infrared sauna and I should do the cold plunge. <laughs> I wake up, I go to the gym. Sometimes I have my phone on me in the bed. Sometimes I don't, I like, I'm like, it's I'm, I'm not perfect, but I like figure it out. So like, I optimize a bit. I try and optimize my diet so like my energy is on point. But I also believe that like people are just human. And I feel like a lot of successful people start to seem unhuman and, and unrealistic when they're like, oh, I shut off my phone two hours before I go to bed and I take a cold shower at 6 a.m. and I'm bro like bro, relax bro. Like, like relax i journal every morning i journal every night like right. all that stuff is good none of it's bad yeah but i think that's not real for a lot of people with kids with right. responsibilities with hectic schedule with they like no like if you want to watch a show on netflix and it goes a little bit too late like you're not the devil like you're good like don't worry about it like, like i think that like a little bit more humanity while always focusing on optimizing so do I work hard? I work incredibly hard. I probably put in like 12, 13 hour, 14 hour days, like very, very long days. But then there's some days when I go to bed late, some days when I watch Netflix, some days when I don't. So my bedside table is not like this bastion of productivity and like books and knowledge. <laughs> I, I, have love, books behind I love me, that. But I think that it's, you just gotta, gotta, you just gotta humanize the experience because when you listen to all these, you know, self-help gurus, they make it seem like you're so far away. Right from where you should be that again it becomes insurmountable it becomes too much i'll, I'll throw it back i mean you know i don't mm. think like elon is a, is a funny guy because love him or hate him he's very pragmatic and he doesn't do like a lot of the self-help stuff and it doesn't do a lot of that like, he just works hard yeah which is not always healthy yeah. but i mean it just goes to show you that you don't have to again be 5 a.m club cold plunge mm -hmm. uh whatever diet to be successful all that stuff compounds if it fits with what you enjoy in life. Just... I, I personally enjoy sometimes being on my phone before I go to bed. Yeah. I don't know. I scroll through Instagram. Okay. I don't really give a shit. Some people don't like it. <laughs> do you but, sleep? Uh, but do you I don't sleep care. Eight hours? Do you have like a full eight hours of sleep at night? or do? Are you... Yeah, I sleep eight hours. Okay. I usually sleep eight hours. I'm jealous. Wonderful. So, 
So I think that that's really important too. Um, and like, I mean, like I, I mentioned diet, like I do optimize, I do intermittent fasting. I, I usually work out in the morning. So I'll work out, I'll usually wake up around seven, work out in the gym. Um, uh, I try and, you know, manipulate uh, carbs so that I'm not as tired in the afternoon. Like I do some stuff, but there's other stuff I don't do. I, I mean, like hearing like, that. That's I, great. The carbs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just that he's human being, you know what I mean? It's, it's nice to, yeah. nice to feel that way. And, so, and by the way, I have a lot of books behind me. Yeah. So publishers include so much fluff in books to meet a minimum word count, right. which hmm. bugs the shit out of me because actually not what the author intends to convey. But the the editor publisher would be like, okay, we got to get to like so many words. So it's like yeah. not like a book like this big. Um, so what I try and do if I actually love a book is I'll go listen to a podcast with the author around the time when the book was released because that is going to be like Ooh. the meat and potatoes of what the author actually cares about. How about that? That's a great hack. Yeah, great I hack. Love, what book are you reading yeah. right now? Do you have one? Um, or listening so to? I'll give, I'll give you... Um, so I'll give you one that I recommend everybody read. Um, it's one of my favorite. It's not the one I'm reading right now, but I read about once a year. And it's called Play Bigger. Well, there's two actually that I read once a year. So Atomic Habits, which yeah. is a, a book by James, James Clear. Everybody reads that one once a year. It's it's a, <laughs> it's a really, really popular one. Um, and um, Play Bigger is, it's basically a book about building a company and innovating in a space where there has been no company before. So it speaks about Ikea, it speaks about salesforce.com, uh, like with Benioff and, and just, um, I think it's, it's very tactical if you want to build a company in a blue ocean, but it's also very, it's, it's, it's for me, it's like, uh, do things that nobody has done before. And there's always a way to do it, even if it seems insurmountable. So, I mean, with the salesforce.com Mark Benioff story, um, when he started building Salesforce, there was no cloud computing. So he found a way to create the concept of cloud computing, because at the time, all companies basically had big computers in their server rooms, and some still do, but they had big computers in their server rooms after they held all their data. So he's like, well, I want to create a cloud product, but there's no market for it. So how do I conceptualize and evangelize the concept of cloud computing? And then once I create the concept of cloud computing, then I have a product that I can sell into the category that I just created. Huh. Yeah. So he was, so he's a very, very obviously brilliant, brilliant yes. obviously, but that like the concept of thinking differently, I really like as well. But the point is you should always be like a category of one, especially if you're building a brand. Hmm. So you shouldn't appease the audience by trying to directly copy what other people are doing. People, especially when building a brand, and if you're building a podcast, you're building a brand, you are a category of one. People subscribe to you because of you. Mm-hmm. Always. It's always, always. So you can have similar, you know, information, but if you try and, you know, change your personality for the podcast, for example. Right. It's not gonna work. Yeah. It's not gonna work. There's no longevity in in no longevity in changing your personality. That's uh, this Batman alter ego thing is not a changing personality, <laughs> but changing perception. It's yeah. a very big differentiation. Yeah. But I think that's very important. Who are your top three wish list guests to come on your podcast? Dying to know. Ooh, that's a great question. Yeah. Have that's you had Gary V? Has he been on? I haven't had Gary V yet. No, I haven't had Gary V. I wanted to wait. So it's so funny. So. <laughs> As I as I progressed through the show, I, I I did some really really big guests early on, and they went well. But then I'm like, okay, I gotta like refine 
because it's like again self-awareness so i'm like they're good yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. like i gotta refine the the cadence a little bit so gary v will come on eventually seth godin was like a big one for me I because seth godin so was like this like uh, i love seth i mean but i would say i mean at this point i do there's like big names that you can't not want to have on but some of them do a lot of shows so i i, I like i'm thinking like richard branson mm. I, I look at him and i love richard branson um he's He's an older, older now. He's so like full of life that I absolutely love that energy. Um, I'm trying to think of people that aren't cliche. Like the cliche ones are like yeah, you want Elon, Elon Musk, right? Like, I knew you were gonna say him. Yeah, yeah. like I'd, I'd even do like Obama, Oprah, like all the oh, yeah. cliche ones. Right, right, like, right. like even like even like you know like every every shark Shark Tank. I've had a few, but I haven't had like Mark Cuban or like Kevin. Like I, so I think that there's like the cliche ones. I'm trying to think of non-cliche ones though. I'm really trying hard. I didn't prep for this. So let's see. <laughs> Sorry. We got Richard Branson. Did, that, that just popped No, you're good. Because we have our dream list. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good question. Richard Branson. Um, who has not done a lot of shows that I really, really like? That I really, really like? Oh. I, of course, like V2, but that's another cliche. I guess the big ones are kind of cliche. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. But it'd be cool to have them on. <laughs> you know what I would have? I would have I would have Tim Ferriss. I would love Tim Ferriss to come on because he's such a podcasting inspiration. Yeah, mm -hmm. that to me is that. Yeah, that's that's, like a, Joe that's another Joe would be fun, too. But he might be a... I mean, yeah, but Joe would be fun, too. Tim's more in line with like yeah. the type of content I want to create. Joe Rogan's right. just like a huge media personality. Yeah. Right. So I would say Tim Ferriss would be like Tim, Tim Ferriss slash Joe Rogan. They can both occupy that podcasting <laughs> itch. <laughs> Um, okay, last question. They'll all come. I know. I'll get them I'm all eventually. So excited. Don't worry about that. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what you do because <laughs> it. oh, it's amazing. Um, I love it. So, question I ask everybody, um, and then I'll ask you like what, mm -hmm. how, how we can help promote you. But question I ask everybody that kind of, I don't know, if, I don't know mm -hmm. if it's going to stump you or not, but I think there's going to be a story here. <laughs> um, what is the one thing that almost no one knows about you that you can share and kind of break on this podcast? I'll tell you something that I used to think when I was young <laughs> i guess it will i guess it will lead into how i view the world now so when i was young when i was young i i always used to think that we lived in like a simulation like a video game like i always was like oh we live in like a simulation and and i think that that actually probably shaped my like i would like imagine you know i always thought of like <laughs> you know like the game the sims yeah and i was like how cool would it be is if you know in the sims where when someone wants something, they have like a little sign yeah, over little their pink. head and it's like, oh, I, I, I want money or I want to go to the bathroom or I'm hungry or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, how cool would it be if life was like that and we could like see what everybody wanted? Because everything's just a big simulation and a big game. And it's like, uh, and we're all living in something like Truman Show, you know, kind <laughs> of environment. Amazing. And, and But then I'm like, you know what? Like life is not, it's, it's not that different from that. Whereas if you actually understand what makes people tick, if you actually understand incentives and leverage, life is very much a simulation. And I think that it's not like we're actually in a video game, obviously, uh, but like the the way the world works is is complicated, but it's not like confusing. Like if you understand the right levers to pull, the right people to speak to, the right things to work on, I don't actually think that navigating life is as tough as a lot of people say it is. Hmm. I, I think that, I think that, again, being aware of all the things that impact us, like the health, the wellness, the relationships, I think that we, for a lot of us, go through life 
purposefully without wanting to go a level deeper because it's very scary. Like it's very scary if we understand that we're not a perfect partner or it's very scary if we understand why maybe we're the reason why we're not happy at work or we're not making the money that we should or we didn't, you know, ask for the promotion or maybe when they didn't give us a promotion, we probably should have left, but that was scary too. Or it's very unnerving to understand that, well, I don't have the body I want and I'm overweight and I'm not healthy and I and I feel tired all the time. Like what's really causing that? Like a lot of us, if we go one level deep, it's not that hard to figure out the answer, right. but it's like the, the, the taking the first step, which is like really scary. So life is not a simulation as opposed in, in the sense of the Truman show, but it's not as complicated. So it's like everything is just a video game and you just got to figure out the, the right code or the right hack to get there. Oh my God, there's well, so much I, more I, I could ask him that. about that. If, oh, uh, I wish if, we had unlimited time. Oh my God, there's so much. If Elon so Musk, uh, his Neuralink has anything to do with it, where we might have some aura coming <laughs> off, right? Saying, I'm hungry. Oh, maybe, I'm... yeah. That's very so, true. As we we'll wrap do one up, in Philly. We'll as do we one wrap in Philly up. when I come Let's do it. Please, yeah. please, yeah. please. That would be nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell everybody how they can get to your podcast, how they can get to your newsletter, you know, the website, all that. How can we, yeah. how can uh, our listeners find you? So I'm not really selling a product or selling anything right now. So there's no like, <laughs> there's no course or there's no like download or anything like that. Um, right now I'm trying to build a community. That's, yeah. that's the goal. And that's the goal with the podcast. So, I mean, it's even, you know, maybe one day in the future, I'll start like my own company and I'll sell a product. I have no idea what I'll do in the future. We'll see. But um, right now I'm trying to build a community. The podcast is really meant to teach people um, how to up themselves in their life through stories of people that have sort of done it before. Yeah. And the show is called Success Story, which you you mentioned at the beginning. But it's like, it's funny because a lot of the stories are not just pure success, right? A lot of ups and downs and failures and whatnot. So if you like listening to those stories from some of the most brilliant people in the world, you can go to uh, successstorypodcast.com or just go to my website. It's like right. scottdclary.com. Everything's there. Podcast is there. Newsletter is there. Newsletter is, you know, same type of content, different medium. Uh, social is all there. It's all at Scott D. Clary. Same type of content, just tailored to whatever whatever platform you're finding me on. Yeah. So if you like tweets, go to Twitter. If you like short form video, go to TikTok, all the same stuff. Um, but it's just like learning from people, from my experiences, from people that I've had the, the, the you know, the, the luck of being able to speak with on my show. Um, and that's pretty much it. If you, if you just like, you know, consuming and you want another source of incredible people to teach you and hopefully help you through life. That's really what I'm trying to create. Awesome. Well, you have inspired me so yeah. much. I'm so excited to like get on this journey and thank, thank you, you for everything. I, I could talk to you. You have to come to Philly because we <laughs> honestly, we have to, we have to chat more, especially yeah, with that Sims thing. Cause I get more on that. Um, but <laughs> thank you so, 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 so much for <laughs> taking the so time. Much. I really appreciate you. And um, hopefully no, this won't be so the last much. time we um, we chat. It won't. Yeah. It won't. It definitely won't. And continue it success to you. Thank yes. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.